everybody. What's up, you jerks? Ready to jerk around for another jerky episode of... The Justice and Doom. It's kind of like a marathon. We have a lot of movies to review. It's our Sunday Justice and Doom marathon. And it's a beautiful day for podcasting because it's a super thick marine layer of fog. And it's quiet. And it's depressed. <laughs> it's not depressed. We just had awesome like pastrami sandwiches at Wexler's Wexler's Deli. Deli shout out. I had pastrami locks on bagel with schmear. Yum. And it was one of the tastiest things. I've eaten a lot of smoked salmon in my day, but pastrami double smoked salmon might take the cake the salmon cake yeah i had a just straight up pastrami, pastrami sandwich on rye. called the og because it's just pastrami rye with mustard and it, it's maybe the best sandwich i've had in la it was the best i think it might be the best pastrami i've had in like 20 years yeah i couldn't believe it yeah a lot of times these fucking hip restaurants man they you know they have the cool music and the freaking you know graffiti art and all that bullshit and then you eat the food and you're like oh that's why you're so cool yeah that's why why this looks so cool because the food sucks but man i gotta say those it's cool and it delivered on the food big time and the coffee was good the coffee was good and they make a fresh cup for each person yeah and the price was right for for like a really like homemade pastrami corned beef turkey. It's all smoked in house. Yeah, and then it's not fucking twenty dollars a sandwich. Which man. a lot of Jewish delis in L.A. they're crazy expensive and they're not anywhere near as, as good. good. As this. And the and there's too many things on the menu. Yeah, like way too many things on the menu. And so I don't see how you could put that much care into every different thing on the menu. Potato pancakes and lockies and pierogies and and then corned beef Rep. this and you know all these different tongue sandwich freaking smoked turkey it's just so many things that it's yeah yeah so shout out to them and yeah we uh, want to interview one of you guys and uh talk about this place because it's a real like turn and burn like they have a system down there that i was very impressed with yeah you get your sandwich real quick you can you know they have bar seating they have table seating it's a smaller place with a smaller menu but it's perfect i think it's like perfect size it's the best thing that's happened to santa monica in a long time <laughs> well and it shits on a lot of these sort of like gourmet burger gourmet sandwich places yeah. that pop up all over this city with their fucking head up their ass and the food's not that good <laughs> and it costs too much and you're like where's the meat on the sandwich where's I, the beef where's the beef i ordered a torta and there's it's all pineapple <laughs> the fuck is this why am i eating a pineapple sandwich where's the roast where's the fucking like barbecue chicken with the spices what yeah. the fuck so yeah shout out wexler's what up though yeah so uh hey on this day 30 years ago ferris bueller's day off came out nice which is one of the greatest movies ever it's like one of the greatest sort of like teen romps Coms, rom-coms. Yep. Not rom-coms. Rom- not rom-com, but rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone has that, like, first time seeing Ferris Bueller moment. You're like, are all movies this cool? I know. You know? Yeah. And you know who wrote? I can't remember who wrote it. He's, like, a pretty successful... It's like Cameron Crowe or something, wasn't it? Somebody like that. Some, like, Wounder Kid wrote it, and they basically shot it on his first draft. 
What? He wrote one draft of the movie and went and shot it, which basically was essentially his first draft of the, sh- of the movie. It's so good. And it still holds up. And Matthew Broderick as that character is still like one of the coolest motherfuckers in movies. Oh, it's John Hughes. John Hughes. It's a John Hughes It's a John Hughes, of course. he directed it and wrote it. And he wrote it. It was his first draft that they yeah. shot on. That's awesome. It's awesome. And I, the way Matthew Broderick was so cool again in that movie and then like it never played that role really again yeah you know a lot of times guys they do a role and then they're forever acting as that same cool guy like he that was just like this one movie where he's the coolest motherfucker ever ever and then just that was it no he's still cool he's cool different career but he's not like the hip guy matthew broderick on the playing that part yeah or even just like in tabloid or in entertainment true because he's like more of a new york Broadway guy now. Yeah. He's kind of doing, that's his and he's scene. he's married to Sarah Jessica Parker and they have their kids and they live in the nice freaking loft space in Manhattan yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> sure it's uh, nicer than a loft space. Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times at Richmond High. Mm-hmm. That's the one that he was his first right. draft. Like, yeah. But it wasn't his first draft. Directed by Amy Hackerling, but uh, yeah, maybe not. But uh, not. that was his kind of first one. and Which is awesome. Yeah, you still have to see Say Anything. I know, I keep not seeing it. Never, it's never on TV. Like 16 Candles and all this shit's always on Breakfast Club, but they don't yeah. really play Say Anything. It's so good. And it's so good. It's one of those movies we all know the iconic moments from. Yeah. But uh, I've never actually sat down and watched it from beginning to With end. With John, John Cusack, Cusack holding the up box. the boombox. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. badass. Everyone likes that part. Yep. Well, so we're going to start out this... Uh, Marathon of reviews with the lobster. With some whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Some Although lobster. our audio engineer yeah. just said to us, we were talking to him, yeah. Landon, shout out Landon. Oh, what up, Landon? Um, yeah. He's like, he's like, I only have one question for you guys. <laughs> like, are you ever sober? Well, wait. He asked you. He no, said, me. Jake. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> he didn't say anything about you. I think it's like, it's like only when, uh, only when I'm not recording, I guess. <laughs> so once again, Landon, here's Jake drinking a nice little glass you hear of the, whiskey. The ice the clang, <laughs> cooling off my Jameson. So we saw The Lobster, which uh, is it stars Colin Farrell, uh, Rachel Weiss. It uh, is written by a Greek writer-director named Yorgo Lanthimos. And uh, his earlier films include Dogtooth and Alps. And... It was a big festival winner, including Cannes. It won a jury prize. It won the Queer Palm for him as director. It uh, it racked up over a couple dozen different uh, film festival and critic reviews, and it got very high marks on Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. And um, it is one of the weirdest films I've ever seen, but I have to say Enjoyable. It, it's fantastic. And John C. Riley. John C. Riley. There's a big cast in this. Leah Sedu, who was the uh, the French bad guy Bond girl in um, not Bond girl, but she was in the Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. But she is. She's, She's a Bond, a Bond girl. girl. She was in the last. She plays one, the Spectre. evil French girl, pretty much. Like, that's her character. Yeah, that's her character, and she's really good at it in this. And she does it again, and she's awesome again. This is that character. And then there's a couple veteran. Uh, 
British actresses, Olivia Coleman, who played the hotel manager. Yeah. She's been around forever. She was in Hot Fuzz. She's also in uh, this director's new film playing Queen Anne. Um, it's a film called The Favorite. And then Ashley Jensen, who played the Biscuit Woman, is also a veteran yeah. actress. She's on Catastrophe right now that streams oh, that's on cool. Amazon. But she's also been in like literally everything. She was on The British Office. Oh, really? She was in Extras. And she's with, funny, Yeah, man. she's so funny. Oh, yeah, funny. Extras. She is yeah. in Extras. She's yeah, in she's a, a lot veteran. of Stuff. There's and then um, homeboy Ben Wishaw yeah. who play is the new Q in James Bond. Yeah, he's like he's the in hip it. Q. Yeah, he's kind of like the guy. Well, we should tell you what it's about. It's like a dystopian future. Yeah, where you it is against the law to be single. You have to go if you your partner dies, or you get divorced, or if you're single, you go to this hotel. Where it's like you, a matchmaker hotel. Right. But you have 45 days to find a mate or you'll be turned into an animal. An animal of your choosing. Yeah. And you can choose any animal. <laughs> and they have a transformation room yes. in the hotel, which, by the way, isn't like... Remember that stupid movie, The Island, with Ewan McGregor, yes. where everything is like sterile and white and futuristic? Like, this hotel is like a cottage hotel right. by the sea. And the woods. In the woods. And I was saying, again, that like it's not like... A, there's no military presence. Mm. Like, there's no outposts with machine guns and heavily armed, you know, soldier security guards. Right. It's just... It's like this little hotel and everyone just sort of goes along with it. There's no sort of like, <laughs> like fight pushback or, you know, there is this sort of fringe group that doesn't want to reform. Yeah. And they're called the loners, right? And they're in the woods. And they're in the, when they live in the woods and they yeah. just wear these ponchos and, and a part of living in the hotel is that you have to go and hunt the loners. <laughs> With tranquilizer guns. And they literally, like, when you get in as a part of your sort of, like, accessories of your hotel room, they have 20 tranquilizer darts and a tranquilizer rifle that you have to use to hunt the loners. And every time you shoot a loader, they add a day onto your mating cycle right. or whatever so you could like essentially stay longer if you're hunting and you're running out of days you can't find a mate yeah and that's one way to extend your stay is to hunt loners and it's so bizarre because when he arrives and i have to say this is one of the most daring performances of colin farrell's career and i've always liked him especially when i saw in bruges i thought this dude is way yeah, that was a better than game just a hot irish actor yeah you know? hot he, mainstream actor he is so good in this it is an incredible he gains a lot of weight for it he's like yeah, he's, he's got this really gut. committed to and this he's, part he's got this crummy mustache yes with the glasses he looks like a 70s guy almost or early 80s and it's a, weird but like a loser from the but, 70s yeah. Like, yeah. like not like just a fucking guy you wouldn't look twice at you know and he shows up at the hotel with a dog who's his brother who didn't make it he didn't make it and yeah. he's so he's got his brother and he they they show you the whole it's literally almost like going into some weird prison because you have to take all your clothes off and they put them all men and women in their underwear, underwear yeah. in a room together just sitting, sitting and then they're there. given all the same clothes to wear yep. they're given i mean and then the first day there your your one arm is handcuffed behind your back. back yeah and the other one and your belt is locked yeah and you have to learn because they keep teaching you what it means to be alone. How important it is to have a mate. Yeah. yeah. How and, difficult and life very is weird one. rituals with that. Like they have this weird. Or not almost... even like rituals, like seminars. They hold these seminars yeah. where fuck it, they do these demonstrations. Of in the like, ballroom, though. In the ballroom of like, you know, but it's like a hotel ballroom, like a crummy hotel ballroom. It looks like dirty dancing. That scene where they do the like the the shows. It's kind of it's got like a weird 
almost 60s feel to it with the ballroom and the dresses and the everything. Oh, but that's where they're doing like the party where they do the oh. little demonstrations is in like one of those little sort of like rental ballrooms that yeah, you have yeah. a stupid office party for. Right. And there's all these chairs. And at first they go around introducing themselves and their like distinctive trait. Yep. Because everyone has to find a mate based on whatever distinctive trait they each have. Yeah. Like the one guy has a limp. So he kind of has to find someone with a limp. But you like, don't realize that they have have to actually that the way everyone in this world lives is that you're ma- you literally seek out a person with the exact same trait as you like you don't really i, I didn't get hit to me know till the end yeah. till that oh my god that lay literally no one will get together unless they find the other person with that exact same tree. Right, right. And it's ridiculous, like short sighted or nice smile. Or John C. <laughs> Riley has like a heavy lift. And so he, he has to find a mate with a lift or he won't be able to settle down or like move on to the couples part of the hotel. Right. But the, anyway, the demonstrations are so funny because it'll be like man eating alone and the guy's just eating and he's just doo to do. He's sitting there and then he starts <laughs> choking and he's choking and he's choking and he just dies yeah and then they reset and they're like okay man eating with woman and it's the same thing and he starts choking and he's choking <laughs> and then she comes over and gives him the heimlich and he survives and they're like see this is why it's so important to yeah. have a mate it's ridiculous it, it's, it's so funny so bizarre it has like a twisted Almost sort of Kubrick, but also I said like, like Rocky it felt like Horror. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, because it was like bit. disturbing, but it was humor like beside itself. Yeah, like outside of itself, or uh, you know, in spite of itself, it was really f- funny. You know, and at first you're watching it like, how is this going to be a comedy? And they sort of just put the comedy in without there being punchlines or fucking setups and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's why this is a comedy. Right. Because it's really dark and it's... It is and it's, dark. And it's really dry. Like, no one really expresses emotion, even when yeah. they're, you know, there's a sequence that we've brought up where she, the one of the, like, French maids comes into Colin Farrell's room <laughs> and he's like, do we have to do it again? It's horrible. And she's like, I know. And then he has to like drop his trousers and she like lifts up her skirt and just starts like grinding on him. (laughs) And and, and then like, just like, but completely deadpan. Yeah. And then he's like, please just a little more. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. This is just going to help you find a mate. Like psychologically, this is really good for you to find a mate. He's like, oh God. Like, he's he's just like, like, that was horrible. And the the pacing and the timing of it is really genius because it's so odd but it really and the the score was intense the score really adds to the like bizarre like demented yeah it's like this demented universe that he creates and it's really quite brilliant like it really plays with your emotions yeah and and, you know anybody that could be offended like there's parts where you you will be offended if you get offended by especially american moviegoers uh, I think it got 90-something, 90 93, or maybe 98. I can't remember. On Rotten Which I think tomatoes. it deserves. And, and, but it got like 73 from viewers. User, yeah. viewers. And there's a they do kill an animal in a way that's pretty brutal. Pretty that dark. most Americans won't be able to take. People don't like that shit. And it's a dog, too. It's not like a deer, you know, or, yeah. or an elk or a, a fucking warthog. It's a dog. It's his, you know, without spoiling... There's a dog that killed. Yeah. (laughs) Well, a dog is killed and they don't hold back. But at the same time, it does make sense for the story. And I I feel like 
if you're the kind of person that leaves a movie not liking the entire movie because one moment offended you or like crossed that line, then you're not really watching the movie. Or this movie's movie. not for you. It's not, not for you. It's not your kind of thing. Yeah. But that also means that you're kind of a simple headed fool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Because. Tell them how you really feel. Well, it's just not like to not like a movie because one part of it offended you. It's right. stupid. Yeah. I mean, the movie is. It's beautifully shot. It's kind of the the colors are very dull and muted. Yeah. It's uh I and the cast is phenomenal. John C. Riley made me laugh so hard from Out the loud. moment he came on screen. I could not stop laughing. Continually. And just the absurdity and the funniest thing about that I found was that no one ever spoke out against the conditions. They were never like, this is wrong. This right. is anti-human or this is not how we're meant to live. Like the most they get is like, oh, I'm not going to find a mate. What am I going to do? Yeah. But there's never that moment of like the grand sort of um, new per- perception where it's like, we got to change this and like shut it down. Hunger Games style. Well, like Because even the folks that are loners, they're not really revolutionaries. And they're I not mean, really good people. No. They, they have their like, own fucked up rules right, and shit. Yeah. They go, he goes from, because he, he ends up with them and yeah, because he, he runs he, away from the hotel. He finds a mate who is this heartless woman and it's part of it. It's a whole bunch of the film is narrated by Rachel Weiss, who is later it becomes as well. the character. Yeah. And she it's a really she's got such a cool voice. And so her narration really adds to it, too. And the way it's just sort of like he he meets a woman who he later finds out is heartless. And she is. She, that's her trait. She's heartless. She's a psychopath, like yeah. essentially like a real psychopath. Yeah. And like the funniest part about that character is when they're counting up their bodies from the tranquilizer hunt. Mm-hmm. She they're like, OK, so and so you got two bodies. So two extra days on your stay. It's like yeah. and then it goes to the French lady and they're like, OK, four bodies. That means you're at 165 yeah. days. <laughs> like so she's literally like botting herself an extra almost like you know half a year of time yeah. just from hunting like you only get 45 days right and she's then bought herself an extra 125 so days she's just there forever yeah, yeah. So she has no desire to really be to mate because she's fucking crazy and just psycho it's literally right not like running down the hall with the chainsaw psycho like real diagnosable psycho yeah and he sort of ends up deciding okay i mean you see that they sort of like one guy pretends he has nosebleeds so he can be with the girl who has nosebleeds and yeah, he doesn't because really. he's running out of time yeah and, and they do this he's so converse character to say i'll be with her but then it later he ends up leaving the hotel and he ends up with the loners which is where he re- meets and falls in love with rachel vice yeah but in the loners who are run by Leah Seduce character, the evil French woman, yeah. right? She, I mean, they literally trade one bad situation for the other because if you if two people are together, they're not she allowed. Cuts their lips. Well, if two people kiss. It's called the red kiss, and like they show this guy and he has gauze over his mouth and like this bloody where his lips would be is like this bloody patch on the yeah. gauze, and it's like yeah, they were flirting. It's like what? <laughs> what? So it's like they're they're not like progressive or like this is where you can live a free life. It's like they have rules and there's no 
flirting. There's no touching. There's yeah. no kissing. Like we are the loners. You can be with us, but we're the loners. And, and you they have to dance dig a alone. Grave. Yeah, and they all have disc mans, and they are only allowed to listen to electronic music, <laughs> which is funny because electronic music you dance by yourself. It's so funny. And they all have to dig their own graves, which is oh, also right. fucking weird. Yeah. And she keeps asking if they've done it, and she's a psychopath too. She is. She's a complete psychopath. And they go into the city, the, and you yeah. see where the police literally come up to you if you're alone and say, "Let me see your certificate." Yeah, where's you your married? mate? Where's your husband? Yeah. And it, it's a very, it's a such a bizarre vision, but it's interesting and intriguing, and I, it's extremely provocative. I found myself thinking about it all night, and I kept thinking because we're not going to tell you what happens. No, but yeah. It, like it, it really at the end you're sort of like oh my god yeah what if this or what if they did this instead or why couldn't they do this or this and you just can't stop sort of thinking about it well because they kind of leave you hanging in a sense and uh which i found okay just because the way the movie was shot and the way that you know everything leads up to that moment you're not like but what happened yeah like come on like i never felt that way at the end when i left this movie i was satisfied with it because the pace of the movie is so fucking strange anyway that yeah to have some nice little bow on it would be very weird true but what was that movie we watched and we're like that's what this movie should have been uh high rise high rise it, we it, high rise uh was also sort of a weird you know dystopic commentary yeah. of and, society yeah and and um, it didn't quite deliver the same way. This this really delivers. Yeah, and it's funny. It's very funny, and kind of sad and touching and sweet and all kinds of things. And disturbing. Yeah, it's fun. It's kind of like my favorite mix of uh, you know themes and genres right. in a movie. And I wasn't even sure how I was going to get along because the pacing didn't feel good at first. Yeah. Because it's slow, but then you forget and you sort of get sucked into it. And you're like, this is, I get why the pacing is this way. And it's all, I like when directors have such a vision and writers that like, they're like, just lay back. I, trust me on this. And right. you're like, okay. And then you do. And you're like, oh, that's why you did that. And that's why you did this. And that's why you shot it this way. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. And I, I, it's one of those movies you could watch again. I would, at least. I could see it again. I would, too. I mean, it's definitely a movie that you go on sort of an exhausting journey with. It's like, you know those films that you say you could watch again, but you sort of don't want to because it's work to watch it. But then when you do, you're like, God, that was a great film. And right. you're always reminded how great the film is. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like, I would see it again but thinking about it is like well it's gonna be intense to watch this again yeah i i don't know i kind of watch it at least a second time just because there's i feel like with the dialogue and the delivery there's yeah. a lot of little shit you miss that i bet if you went back and watch it you'd laugh at a lot right. more stuff because <laughs> you know what's coming john c Riley's so shout funny. out to him shout out, he's like one of the best ones of all he really is I and then and guy. colin farrell's performance i gotta give it to him yeah wow yeah, and it's cool that he picked a role like this. It's very not He mainstream. does that, though. Yeah. I mean, he picks some interesting roles, and he does some mainstream stuff, but he last, like, half of Good his career, him. he's been picking really interesting roles. Yeah, he's not the, like, fucking Hollywood heartthrob of the early 2000s. Yeah. Which is cool. Good for him. So I'd give it a nine. Yeah, i give it a nine. Totally a nine. It's yeah. well nine-worthy. Absolutely. Nine, 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 nine. So that is The Lobster. 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 Go see it. Go see the lobster. We decided to go to two different films and review them together. Yeah. Uh, because I saw, neither of us wanted to see the others. Yeah, <laughs> the I other think movie. I won in this deal, though. I saw the I saw Love and Friendship, which is based on the Jane Austen novella. 
And I saw Ninja Turtles Part 2 <laughs> <laughs> out of the shadows. I wonder why you saw that. Well, it was one of those things that I really didn't hate the first one that came out two I didn't years either, ago. by the way. Yeah, you didn't. And you don't even like Ninja Turtles. Well, it's not that I don't like Ninja Turtles. I didn't grow up with them. I was already like in my 20s or like or in college or something when they came out. And I was like... Four. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like literally there, the fucking target audience right. for Ninja Turtles. And I grew up with them. I had all the toys and yeah. I loved the original movies as a kid. The first right. one holds up. The other two are garbage. But I do. And I, I, you know, I'm not some like Ninja Turtles fucking geek from, you know, one of those like guys that are well into their 20s. Right. And like are like yelling cowabunga. But I do want to see it. I like, and I wanted to see, they kind of sucked me in because they had two big characters from the cartoons and the action figures called Bebop and Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. And one's a giant rhinoceros and the other's a giant warthog. And they both dressed like eighties punks. And they kind of kept That's that, cool. that image too true to them too. And I was like, Oh, Bebop and Rocksteady. Oh, and Krang. Oh, that's just like the cartoons and the fucking video games and all that shit, man. I love that shit. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go see it. I gotta go see it in theaters. I, I luckily I had like a free pass for AMC, so I didn't pay for it. That's good. But I have to say this movie was shit. It was Aww. a shit experience. Yeah. Very, very much a bummer. Well, let me uh, tell you what I saw and we'll go back and forth here. Yeah, sure. I saw Love and Friendship. It's based on a, a little known Jane Austen novella called Lady Susan. It stars Kate Beckinsale, Chloe Sevigny. Um, and it was directed and written by Whit Stillman, uh, who is the guy who did uh, the last days of disco and Metropolitan? If oh. you remember, yeah, yeah, from the nineties, sure. And kind of made both of their careers. He mm. was there, two of his stars from both of those films, and I hated those films. And so when I heard he was doing this, I'm a big Jane Austen fan. Yeah, you are. It got really big. It did really high scores critically, and I heard about it and. Um, also, Xavier Samuel, who is plays Riley in the Twilight Eclipse movies, what? and he was also in Fury, uh, is in it. And uh, so folks who like those movies will like this. But if, as an Austin fan, I was really excited. As a Whit Stillman sort of like, ugh, he's kind of like the he's like one of those, you know, Gen Xers who started like the early days of hipsterism. The oh, Metropolitan yeah, yeah. and Last Days of Disco are to me really obnoxious movies. Oh, cool. So the film, this film, I have to say, was pretty good. It yeah. wasn't brilliant, like everyone sort of was saying, but it's pretty good. So pretty good. Uh, entertaining. You left feeling okay, or you left like meh. I left sort of saying, hmm, and I'll elaborate that in a minute after you talk more about turtles. Man, I I don't know what else to really say. I mean, again, it's a super CGI heavy movie. Like, to a point where it feels like you're just watching a really expensive cartoon. Really? Like, there's no uh, practical effects or costuming that I could see. Yeah, we hate that now that there's no practical effects. I kind of hate it. Well, especially with Michael Bay, where he's just like, no, everything will be CGI. So it's just a really expensive cartoon. And again, with the turtles, man, like in the in the original movies, they're all around the same height and the same Mm -hmm. size. But they really tried to vamp it up to give them each their own, you know, personal distinctive traits right. personalities whatever the fuck but like they're supposed to be stealthy ninjas and Raphael <laughs> looks like he's like 
seven foot tall and 400 pounds. Aww. You know what I mean? And that I felt that way about the last movie, but it's still true to this movie. And the only one that really looks like a Ninja Turtle is Leonardo. Everybody okay. else kind of looks like a fucking weird mutant like not really like a mutant mm. turtle just sort of like a giant green monster no. that's over accessorized and they all have this like gear and sunglasses and donatello since he's the brains has the fucking like you know god night vision goggles and like he has a super nintendo controller on his arm and mm-hmm. a big backpack with that almost looks like a ghostbusters pack and and his bow his bow staff which is what he uses right is basically like a giant stun baton so there's like so oh. much stuff like that where it's like just give him a bow staff yeah you know, i don't know maybe i'm just like old with my ninja turtle no i mean i think it's we've talked about this a lot it's like when films like try to take they're doing too they much re, redo a franchise that was successful redo the origin stories redo the the elements that fans adapted and loved and they always look now we're going to upgrade it like no we like it the way it is well and it's an upgrade that's just really like sort of convoluted upgrade like mm. just because they're covered in puka shells and <laughs> weird shit like that doesn't make it better it yeah makes it harder to watch and Aww. difficult and the other thing that was really disappointing was it's you know almost a two-hour movie and this sounds like a weird a small gripe but there's no actual like use of their signature weapons that's like, a big gripe it's a huge gripe Right? Like, it sounds small, but no. there's a lot of jumping out of buildings and airplanes, but I just want to see Michelangelo use his nunchucks. Yeah, like, yeah that's, you know, I even know that. That's like his thing. It's a simple thing. And like, because at the very end when they fight Krang, it was a big part of the cartoon mm-hmm. and the comic, or not so much the comics, I don't think, but the, the video games, like I see them, they all take out their weapons and it, like as in that moment, I'm like, oh yeah, they haven't like used their weapons. Right. They've just been like, and then they're in the fucking like uh, the vents of uh police department and i'm like you can't fit through there you're a fucking 500 pound turtle like you're huge no. like there's a lot of stuff and then the bebop and rocksteady thing was really corny and then they recast casey jones to be some pretty boy like the guy who played oh he him. plays the guy from arrow right yeah, he sucked horrible horrible for casey jones no style he's like hey i grew up in new york i know these streets <laughs> like what i <laughs> know you didn't uh, and like the guy who played him in the original movie was elias cotius and that's a it might sound like a name you don't know but he's the dude that played the shrink in sopranos and oh yeah and he's been in a lot of shit oh like, that guy yeah and, and casey jones he's super young and he looks like a sort of rugged new yorker that sort of like oh, yeah. takes the law into his own hands where this you mean casey he plays jones, her shrink right i don't know he, malfi's shrink i know who you're talking about no he plays the like he plays the sobriety shrink that Michael has. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Oh, he, that guy's a total. G- I've seen him a million yeah, times. Yeah, he's awesome. And he's a total like Italian New Yorker. Yeah. And in that movie, he's like way younger and he has like the longer hair and he has like a rugged look. Right. And he looks like the guy that takes the law into his own hands. Because that's what Casey Jones right. is when the turtles meet him in the comics and in the cartoon. Whereas this, the Casey Jones is literally like a, a cop like who gets canned from the thing because he lets shredder getaway and so he's just like he likes to play hockey and he has hockey gear in his in his car and he goes around with a hockey stick trying to chase down bad guy and he's like hey who are these giant green guys and they're supposed to be like witty banter the dialogue is horrible super bad yeah just a bad movie man it always comes back to writing and i have to say so from a writing perspective love and friendship 
it it's it, it should have been the pacing's pretty slow and that was my biggest issue with the film it's kind of slow yeah. which is the way this guy directs like metropolitan and last days of disco are really kind of pretentious fly on the wall movies about yeah. a time period and metropolitan was about like a bunch of upper east side New Yorkers in the early 90s that are really obnoxious. Kind of like, remember the preppy murderer, Robert Chambers, who killed the girl in the park? In real life? Yeah. It's sort of like the life. Oh. It's it, nothing to do with him, but it's kind of like that group of obnoxious, rich Upper East Siders. Yeah. And so, and his dialogue tends to be really sort of... Like, he must have loved John Cassavetti's films because it's very fly on the wall, very sort of slow. And this is also slow, but he has the benefit of the Austin-era tongue to make it a little bit more lively. Okay. The performances are good. There's a lot of vet actors in it, like Stephen Fry, actor, director Stephen Fry. Yeah, sure. Um, And then... Um, well, what's Kate Beckinsale's like the comic relief in it or something? Kate, or? it's it's funny, but it's it's she plays uh, Lady Susan, who is a lazy Susan, Lady Susan, lazy Susan, who is a widow, and she has been left with no money. She has a young adult daughter who she's essentially trying to. She's it's a little dangerous liaisons, you know. She's trying to mm-hmm. like work deals to get herself married and her yeah. daughter da- married because they go from they're visitors. They don't have a place to live. They go from like one relation to the other, and she's kind of notorious and known as like a big gossip and a flirt, hmm. and she's always trying to wrangle something for herself. Right and. Chloe Sevigny plays her her friend who she keeps going back to, and, and they use that as like a plot device. The two of them talk about the overview of everything, and then oh. they go back into the setting she's in. And it's kind of – it's interesting the way they do it and the way they film it, and the there's some – you know, like I said, there's some lively Jane Austen uh, dialogue and also you know, hijinks, a lot of hijinks that happen. Oh, like, yeah. It almost feels more like a Balzac thing rather than a Jane Austen thing. It's very light. It's not as intelligent as other Jane Austen films. Okay. Um, but it was a bit of a snooze. I think that people who are fans of Austen will like it. I would, if I had to give it a score, I think I would give it a 7.5 just because I don't think it executed on the material as well as it could have. Yeah. And it dragged a bit for me. I found myself really kind of bored in the beginning and trying to sort of make sense. I, I feel like this, the plot and the story idea of this Lady Susan, and Beckinsale's great. Yeah. I'm never hugely a fan of Chloe Sevigny, Sevigny whatever the fuck her name is. Yeah. Like, she's okay, but I felt like she dragged it down a little. Oh, yeah. And... I feel like it could have been, it rests on Kate Beckinsale. I feel like it could have been a better film in the hands of maybe a different director. Oh. So I'd give it a 7.5. What would you give Turtles? Like 4.5. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because to be honest, I went in with not a lot of expectations. I Mm -hmm. went to a matinee on a Saturday. You had a free pass. I'll go see the Turtles just because I'll show up and see it. And even then, I was disappointed. Mm. And I really thought with the addition of these classic characters, you know, that they introduced, I'm like, oh, that can't be that bad. They got 
the characters from the cartoon, I didn't think they'd even bring those guys back and right. how they would do it. And they did it wrong. <laughs> they did Bummer. it. And they didn't do it right. And the script sucked. It was really like paint by numbers script. And a lot of the plight, plot devices were like almost like a child's video game. And like, granted, it is directed towards children, mm-hmm. but it's like, it might as well say on the tracking device, like, bad guy near kind of thing. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's so dumb. And Megan Fox sucks. And yeah. Tyler Perry was in it as Baxter oh, Stockman. No. He's supposed to play this, like, mad scientist that. I- Doesn't he have a spin off? Car- Isn't there a spin off in the comics? Of Doesn't what? he have his own. Who? The Tyler Baxter Perry? character. Oh, Baxter yeah. Stockman? Well, he's from the comic books, and right. he turns into a mutant. Yeah, right. And, and that doesn't happen in this movie, but the way it's left, he's like, oh, you, you haven't seen The Last of Me. Oh, no. So there's going to be a part three where Baxter Stockman turns in, and basically Baxter Stockman's like the fly with Jeff Goldblum. Ah, uh, that's turns right. He's the fly. Okay. He's a giant mutant fly. Okay. He's like an evil mastermind. Right. But they don't do that in this one. But, you know, regardless, yeah, like 4.5. When All it gets right. to the dramatic at a conclusion and the big stop and they even they had the check the technodrome like there's stuff they like went in and pulled mm-hmm. out all of the right shit and just didn't do it right that's Bummer. such a cool story at least it was when i was a kid and yeah just some stuff st- needs to stay where it is where it was yeah. and well our nets in it it's really hacky and he can be hacky he, he can, can be, be really a little, funny yeah he, he can really, be all hacky kind of hacky and like just t- doing this role is kind of hacky man like Bummer. what the fuck man Good paycheck. Good for you, Will Arnett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so Love and Friendship, 7.5. And Ninja Turtles, 4.5. Bummer. Bullshit, 0.5. I still say, and I, I know we keep plugging this movie, but if I if you got, the, of the critically acclaimed movies in theaters today, Lobster, Love and Friendship, Sing Street wins over everything. That's still my big pick for yeah, the movie Sing to Street's see right awesome. now. I'd see Lobster too, though. But yeah. Sing Street's a safer choice. Like I don't know what kind of movie goer you are, whoever's listening to this. But Sing Street is a safer choice because we like the Lobster a lot. But I'm, we were like, where were we? We were at some place, and they were like, yeah, I didn't like Lobster. Oh no, we were in a round table about to interview Vittorio, Stor- Vittorio Storaro and yeah. one of the journalists was like You're shockingly one of the journalists from Variety. A movie Variety. journalist, yeah. And like I didn't like it. Because the dog died. Because a dog dies. And yeah. I was just like, You're that's... A journalist. Yeah, yeah, like that's why? That, what are you, a journalist for PETA? Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like that's why you don't like the, that movie? And you know me with animals. I'm yeah, like the super sappiest, bleeding heart. Like, bleeding heart animal fan and I animal lover most I, people it was are disturbing but I didn't hate it didn't make me drop 20 points off my score for this movie well and the other thing was like this movie is better than just a dead dog for shock value yeah like, I've seen dead dogs in like horror movies and you're like oh come on that's just cheap like don't kill a dog for your movie because you can't think of anything better to write you know what I mean yeah like that that is more offensive to me than in this case yeah where it's like, yeah, I get why they did that, and this is a like a morbid movie already, and it's funny, but it is, you know, this movie is better than a dead dog. Yeah, like it's not. This isn't the dead dog movie. No, and if you left feeling like they killed a dog in that movie, yeah, uh, like, I can't like it. Yeah, I can't like this movie. Yeah, and but then, so is that thus why for uh, the general 
movie going audience Sing Street is pretty much for everybody I think it's pretty much for everybody and it's pretty much a fucking really good movie yeah so so good we gave it a 9.5 listen to our review yeah it's awesome and uh, so that's it for our now in theaters reviews uh, we stay tuned because we also have some now streaming reviews as well and uh, a lot more stuff going some on some product reviews Product and reviews. some game reviews. My God. Game reviews. I got to go out and start living and stop reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> I got to review my life from where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. So this is the Justice and Doom movie reviews now streaming. Our sh- streaming section. So if you've been wanting to see a movie and you didn't want to go see it in theaters or you just want a good movie to watch on a day off of work. Listen to this segment <laughs> and then go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we got Wait, a couple why? cool movies, uh, both in the horror genre. One is uh, based on the comic book of the same name, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Bet you didn't know Jane Austen was uh, dealing with zombies. Was a original Walking Dead fan. Yeah. And uh, The Forest starring Marjorie from uh, Natalie, Game of Thrones, Natalie, Natalie Dormer. Dormer, 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 Dormer. So uh, let's talk Pride and Prejudice and Zombies first. Yeah, sure. It uh, stars Lily James and Sam Riley <gasps> as Darcy. And uh, Jack Houston plays the Wickham character. And Jack Houston happens to be the grandson of the great director, John Houston, great grandson of Walter Houston, nephew of Angelica Houston. He's like Hollywood He's legacy. He's a Houston family? He's a and Hollywood Danny legacy. Houston, yep. The guy that we saw at Virgin Airlines? Yep. Totally like a uh, uh, legacy Houston family. That's cool. And um, it's a good cast. It's a very ambitious story. Uh, it's literally Pride and Prejudice, but, but there's a comic book with written. zombies. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's the same guy that did Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Uh, who wrote it? Who correct. wrote it? And uh, uh, Sam Seth Graham Smith. Seth Graham Smith. Yes, and yeah. it's uh, directed by a guy named Burr Steers. So that's kind of his like genre of mixing classic literature with horror themes yeah. or something you know which is kind of a cool it's cool in theory i haven't read the whole comic book it's pretty cool they have a graphic novel and a novel so there's a novel version of pride mm-hmm. and pleasures and zombies uh the movie itself was yeah, okay it was fun yeah. yeah it was fun it was fun it kind of disappeared from theaters we had heard about it we talked about it yeah. and it came out and it went and we didn't realize that it was like still around until we saw it streaming on Amazon and we were like we should watch this so we yeah, did yeah it came and went big time in theaters yeah it was very strange yeah I mean I, in the zombie time right now you think it would have capitalized on the whole zombie rush yeah zombie mania but. I don't know why it didn't because it's way better it's not a movie that should have just been shelved I mean it's pretty fun and it kind of fizzles it's like it starts out strong and they literally go by the book as an Austin fan I can tell you like and I don't know that traditional Austin fans unless you're literally zombie fans will like it too but for someone like me who's an Austin fan and, and a, a zombie big zombie fan, fan you're like they made this movie for <laughs> they you they made this movie for me that's pretty funny like that's a pretty niche group of people <laughs> like I, I've not read any Jane Austen I've seen all of the stupid movies about the bad writing from the crummy author named Jane Austen. Oh, and no, no, I don't even up. know what I'm talking about. But they li- it's Lizzie, you know, it's her character, her sisters, the father, the family, everybody's, oh, and uh, Charles Dance plays uh, her father yeah. in it from Game of Thrones, and that guy gets around. And He's Lena Headey's in it Oh yeah, she plays, um, la- she plays Lady Catherine de Bourgh, who's the 
the villain kind of, but she sort of plays like a kickasser in this. Yeah, you she's know? like she's not the villain. She's just sort she's of like a hard ass. At yeah, first. a little yeah. at first. Yeah. And the only I didn't love the Darcy, but then again, after Colin Firth, it's hard to really love anybody who plays Darcy. Um, but yeah. this guy, I, he, I can't say he was a great Darcy, but he's like a Darcy who also has to fight zombies and be like a badass killer too. Yeah, he's kind of like a. Like a marshal, like a zombie marshal. Yeah, because he co- it starts out with him going into investigating, this, investigating, and he it opens like a jar of flies, have, like bot flies or something. <laughs> and these like the flies are good at spotting out dead flesh, right? So they're just like buzzing around this poker game, and then they're like everyone's waiting for them to like where are they going to rest on? Yeah, you know, because that person is bitten, right? And then it does, and he like cuts the f- guy's fucking head off. Yeah, like, it's it, pretty gory. It's gory. It's not like over the top gory. I think it's PG thirteen. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. it is. But they're yeah, it's sort of like implied gore and then some pretty some cool violence. Yeah. Like when when they shoot a zombie in the head, the head just explodes, right. which I'm sure was a sort of tactic to keep it PG-13 because there's no like bloody head wound. It's just missing. I got like, something I really noticed where it's like a headshot and there's some funny headshots where, yeah. and the zombie lore in this is different because they know they're zombies right? and they can talk and they still know who they are. And I kind of, have, I thought that I'd be more offended by that, but I'm not like no. in that world. It kind of works. It works in the, this mashup of this world. Well, cause yeah. it almost seems just like a disease. Like they're really sick and they crave human flesh Yeah, and they're like, Hey, hello. And like they turn their head and it's all like fucking right. mashed up, you know, <laughs> it is kind of scarier. I kind of liked it yeah. in moments and they set up like traps. Remember there's that one woman that has her, Oh, with the stage coat. Yeah. It tipped yeah. over and like, help me, help me. And then she comes out and she's all zombified and she's yeah. like, Hey there, Susie. She's <laughs> like, Oh, you know, just try to find some braids. You know? <laughs> then it's just like headshot. Well, and all the, uh, the, the, uh, Lizzie and her sisters are all trained for combat. Yeah, and that's from the book where it became fashionable to send your children to like Japan and China to learn the ways of martial arts. Right. It's like a part of the sort of aristocracy of England is to send your kids off to learn martial arts. And they go to China and we find out that like some higher brow people go to Japan. Japan yeah. Um, so it was like a point of contention guy. It was yeah. funny. Yeah. And she speak and they speak Japanese and she speaks Mandarin. Yeah. Fluently. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, there's a lot of humor in this it's definitely funny it's kind of cool yeah it's kind of a cool idea lily james uh is she was cinderella last summer she is she was on downton abbey she played rose on downton abbey she's she's in a lot of stuff right now and she's she's pretty effective in the role as lizzie bennett i have to say as an ass kicking lizzie Bennett. yeah absolutely because you have to take it with that like you really do have to be a then this weird niche fan yeah kind of of. the two because i found myself as we were going on constantly going that dialogue's right out of the book oh that's exactly what happened yeah you said that a few times and i that you sort of like find that fun that they're really using the source material but then also weaving in this whole zombie story where it started to kind of go south was wickham who as fans of the book will know is the cad uh, and essentially the bad guy, he turns out to be like the really bad guy in this story. Yeah. And it, it 
it sort of starts to slowly fizzle. It's it almost does. like they don't know where to go with or, it. Or how to end it. Yeah. Yeah, because the beginning is cool, and it really sets up this like believable world of zombies mixed in with high society England. Right. And, and, the, and the opening credits are really cool, because it's all like sort of cut out puppets yeah and they're telling the story of like paper paper puppets and they're showing how it sort of spread through england and the colonies and stuff like that and it uh you know all the different like powdered wig guys with zombies right zombified and stuff it's really cool and then yeah by like the third act you're kind of like oh that's what's happening yeah and there was no like big sort of finale they just sort of escape and then it ends with like we're not dead, actually. Here we come. Here we come. So, like, they're going to make weird, a sequel, but nobody saw it. So, I don't know if. Yeah, I doubt they're going to make a sequel. And, like, the ending was pretty not very satisfying, I have No, to say. it was not satisfying. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, okay. Well, you had me for a little while. Yeah, and then they just sort of dropped it. It was like, you had me, you had me, you had me, and now you're letting it go. Well, yeah, because they introduced this whole, like, four horsemen thing, and we never, like, really get any insight on them. That was really weird. Yeah, we never even hear them speak, or we don't hear how they're players in yeah. the apocalypse. We just sort of, these, like, and they're four, these four guys in top hats and trench coats, and right. it looks cool, like four Jack the Rippers or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't do anything. Like, and yeah. they introduce them in the beginning, like, a vision. And then you're like, okay, these guys are going to play like a big part in the story. And there's a painting of them in Lena Headey's house and they like explain them again. Oh, so right. I'm like, oh yeah, these guys are going to fucking kick some ass or something. And then by the time you get to the third act and like the big like finale fight scene, like they're, where are these guys? Yeah. Where'd they go? Why are they not in them? I wanted to see these. It's like, like it was cut out. Yeah. I feel like it might've been it's edited like a out. Scene cut out or something. Because I was waiting on those guys to come in and like have some crazy fight sequence where right. the, the, the sisters are fighting the four horsemen together and they have to fight as a team and shit because they're all badass and Lily's leading the charge and then Darcy has to be saved or right. some fucking thing like that. And there's this Antichrist character and this whole thing and it didn't really go anywhere with all of no. this stuff that they introduced. And they also abandon the source material as well. I mean, because they yeah, really stuck to the source material and weaved and that was what was so clever about it. And I, I haven't read this comic so I can't tell you whether it really whether they dragged it really off the pages to this or not but they started with really working on the source material weaving it around and then they just kind of abandoned it and so and i think that's part of the problem right what was really cool about it was the way they incorporated that and the way it really worked in a funny way Mm-hmm. And because it's so absurd, but it yeah. really it kind of works. It's funny. Well, that's what makes it funny. Is like, what are two of the most unlike things? Zombies and Jane Austen. Yeah, you know, let's put those together. So that 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 idea is funny. The title is funny. Right. Pride and Prejudice and zombies (laughs) (laughs) like that alone it's funny it's a funny idea but i don't know yeah it's sort of like fizzled it started strong and then sort of fizzled and there's sort of as the movie went on there was like less and less zombie action right and so to where it's just sort of meeting and sharing dialogue from a book that most people that are fans of zombies haven't read right right that's true so other than me other than you you're Um, the only one that read the book (laughs) (laughs) you're the only one that did the i don't believe i'm the only Jane Austen and zombie fan out there. No, probably not. But I'd still give it like a 7, maybe a 6.8. Yeah. I say that's good. 6.8. Yeah. 7. 7 because we we do have numbers on the Justice and Doom 
meter. Yeah, why do we do that? Because uh, <laughs> we're not Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, we yeah. have it on a scale of characters or whatever. Fucking tomatoes. I won't doom it. I'll definitely not doom it, but I'm not going to give it a high justice score. But I no, give it a little one. justice. Yeah, yeah, low justice. Low justice. You get low justice. So The Forest, we also watched. It's also kind of like a thriller horror film. It's more like thriller than horror. Yeah, it's more thriller. It's like one of those sort of PG-13 horror movies where it's not horror, but there's some jump scares and some sort of disturbing imagery and like scary ghosts yep. and stuff. Kind of like The Grudge or The Ring Yeah, because it's Japanese set in Japan. It's set in Japan, based on a real place, by the way, which is like the suicide forest of mm-hmm. Japan. And someone probably saw the same fucking documentary I saw. Uh, a while back about the real forest where really like sad Japanese people go and kill themselves. That's sad. Yeah, it's intense. Japanese people are fucking intense, man. Yeah. And they go out and they bring a tent, some of them, if they're not sure, and some of them hang themselves or just die of starvation. I don't know. Or they leave and they go, life isn't that bad. I'm going to live. Right. And so they wrote a movie about... Natalie Dormer, who is also a twin, and her twin goes missing in Japan Mm -hmm. in the forest. Right. So she has her twin senses tingle, and she has to get out to Japan (laughs) and find her twin sister before there's some really twinning stuff that happens. Yeah. Twin twin. And uh, Gaga's boy's in it. Gaga's whipping boy. What's his name? Taylor Crinney. Yeah, he's plays like this journalist who sort of befriends her and you don't really know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. Well, at first you're like, okay, he's helping her out. And then like uh, there's a turn where she's, you think he, something happens where it's like, you knew my sister, didn't you? You I think were out she, here. That, she, there weren't really pictures though. I think it was her inner mind. Well, because they had a guide who's like, you shouldn't go. And she's like, why shouldn't I go? He's like, because you're sad. Like I could tell you're sad. And then this, the forest will like, play with you yeah. if you're already like sad or if you're already like weak minded. Well and there's this backstory of how when they were little girls their parents, their father shot their mother and then shot himself yeah, murder, and the suicide. one sister who's gone missing looked and saw it and she didn't. And she didn't the Nellie Dormer, the her character she didn't, well she plays both parts yeah she plays both but, parts. But um, she you're following the one sister named Sarah the whole way to find the other sister, Jessie, who they differentiate by hair Eyeliner. Dye. And yeah, yeah. hair dye and <laughs> Dark eyeshadow. hair versus blonde hair. Yeah. Like I saw Which the bodies. Silly, I didn't see the bodies. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, I mean, I have to say, I mean, at first I had a little hard time getting into it. Me too. I was sort of like half paying attention, but once they're in the forest and she's looking for her sister and there's these sort of like apparitions and, and then the twist of like, you don't know what side that guy's on. And you, if you really don't too. And you don't know if it's all in her head. Yeah. And what's weird because this movie got 10% on Rotten Tomatoes and. Oh, it's way better than that. Way better. Like this is as far as like, you know, we do these, this is our streaming review portion and I would, I'd say go, especially watch it on Netflix. Yeah. But if you were to rent it for three bucks on Amazon, you're going to get your money's worth for yeah. it. And it's short. It's now it's 90 minutes, which I like for a movie yep, like this. Absolutely. Like I would dislike this movie more if it was two hours. And it's the same fucking story of being lost in the forest. That would have pissed me off. But the length of it. And the sort of twist of it. Mm-hmm. And then she's out with him and she just starts to not trust him. And she thinks that he's the one that like, 
either killed his sister, her sister, or like has her locked right. up somewhere. And you don't know. You're you don't not, know. You don't know what the answer is. And that's where they really hook you in with that. And it's kind of scary. It's got that creepy, scary Japanese thing, like like the grudge, like, you know, the, like the, the ring, the original and ring. And the ring. And then what's that other one? There's a few of them. But yeah. there's, a, you know, a couple like mainstream ones. But regardless, yeah, I got to say, I like this. I liked it as a sort of short to the point thriller movie. Yeah. Uh, don't expect a lot. No. You know, but I can't say it deserves 10%. No, I would give it a seven also. I'd give it a seven. I yeah. kind of, to be honest, for this movie, sort of staying consistent, I liked it more than Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Zombies. Because Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is like a more of an original idea, but I feel like it was too lofty of a story and they didn't follow through. Whereas this, this was a better film end to end. End to end. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it was, you sort of like eat your popcorn and watch the movie and fucking Bob's your uncle. Thriller, The Forest, you did it. Cool. You so, know what I mean? I think we have to adjust our ratings then. Why? Well, if we're giving Pride and Prejudice and Zombie a 7, we're giving this a 7, but we're saying The Forest is better movie. Well, that's what we said, 6.8, but we don't do that. <laughs> so I give Pride and Prejudice and Zombies 6.5. Yeah, and give this a 7. Yeah. Because I can't give this more than a 7 on our scale, but not really. I think I would give it a 7 for sure. Yeah, for sure. I give it a seven, and I give Stupid Pride and Prejudice and Zombies a stupid 6.5. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Maybe. I think it's fair. Yeah, It kind of fizzled out. It kind of lost me at the end. It did. True. Although I still would recommend checking it out if you're a Checking it out for streaming. Yeah. Zombies. Yeah. Fan of Zombies, for sure. And for free. And if you're free, once it's free, just watch it. Who cares? What are you losing? Nothing. So 6.5 for Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and 7 for The Forest, both now streaming on Amazon. Yes. (laughs) That was that. That's That's that. That's what that was. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, some more movies. I mean, we've got The Conjuring 2 coming up, which we'll be reviewing. Yeah, Conjuring 2 as far as horror. We've got The Legend of Tarzan, which looks interesting, actually. That looks pretty interesting. They always kind of fuck up Tarzan. Live action. Hopefully this one delivers. Christoph Waltz and Skarsgård and what's what's her name? It plays Jane. I can't Uh, remember. Margot Robbie. Is that Margot Robbie? Yeah, it's Margot Robbie. She's got a lot of stuff going on. She's kicking ass. Yeah, she's got Suicide Squad, which we're very excited to see. Yeah, finally. I really want to see that movie. Yeah. Really excited to see Suicide Squad. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll have, and we'll have more streaming reviews as well. And Finding Dory. Oh, yeah. Finding Dory. Finding Dory's coming up. That one's going to be fun to review. Yeah, I hope it's good. I didn't really like, uh, well, I liked Inside Out, but I didn't love it. Yeah. Hopefully, and this is a sequel. I don't know. Hopefully, it'll be have the same magic as Finding Nemo. It's hard to get the that same magic. Pixar magic. It's that been like they, ten years too. I think more. Has it? Yeah. At least ten. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so there's some stuff coming up there's this some summer. Stuff still coming up. Still. It's only the beginning of June. Yeah. What? Oh, Independence Day. Meh. Uh, the Born, the new Born movie. Oh yeah, the new Born. Yep. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. We're most excited for Suicide Squad, we have to Personally, say. Personally, I am. Yeah. Even though I'm kind of losing steam on superhero movies pretty quick. This one looks different. Different. That's what I think, yeah. too. I'm really holding out that this will be a different vibe and a different feel and not just some fucking superhero movie. There's, I didn't get the vibe from the previews. Yeah. No, not at all. There's a couple other indie films that uh, uh, I really 
hope we're going to review. Um, one is called Older Than Ireland. It's a documentary. It's by Irish filmmaker. It's literally like 100-year-old Irish people, and they interview them. And it looks hilarious. Yeah, I want to see that. And then Taika Waikiki, who did What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. His new film is coming out, and I just saw the trailer for that. And I ha- And it was a big Sundance film. And, oh yeah, it premiered um, at Sundance. It I remember premiered that. at Sundance. It got a lot of buzz at Sundance, and um, uh, it's called "The Hunt for Wilder People." And I'm really looking forward to seeing that too. That's going to be the Hunt for Wilder People. Yeah. yeah, I'd watch that. That guy's funny. He's you know that he's actually directing the new the third Thor, Thor movie yeah. too. And you know the Hulk is going to be a major part in that movie now. That yeah, he's listed in it. Yeah, he's like, and it's like, it's like basically Thor and Hulk, the two guys left out of Captain yeah. America. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm real. This guy's is really an interesting filmmaker. If you didn't see What to Do in the Shadows, we did we did review it and what we what do. we do in the shadows. It's what a, to do in the shadows? <laughs> it's what about do? it's a doc it's a mockumentary about vampires and it's uh, Taika Waititi and he's in, he's from New Zealand. He's hilarious. He's awesome. He's one of the He's, lead characters in What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, he was nominated for a, a short film um, called Two Cars, One Night. And uh, he's he won a bunch of stuff. He won an AFI Fest award. He's, he's, a very, he's one to watch. One to watch. And you can. Yeah. And then you can. And then you can. And you yeah. can see What uh, We Do in the Shadows on Netflix right now and on HBO Go and also stream it on Amazon. Yep. And then, of course, we'll have our next episode of Walking Dead coming up yep. tomorrow or no? Walking Dead. Oh, don't Game get of them Thrones. excited. It's not Game till October. We have uh, We Talk Thrones coming up. Uh, coming up. Uh, we'll be doing that tonight, and you can catch the recap this week. Right. That's what I meant. So uh, that's it for us, jerks. All right, you jerks. Keep jerking in the in the free world. See ya.